Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And the thing is, people are like, oh, well, that's failure. No, it's not failure. It is what growing a business looks like. And I think the best lessons we learn are the ones that kind of hurt a little bit because then it's ingrained in us and we're like, okay, not doing that again. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. In our newest episode, we talk with Carrie Ann Powell, the founder and CEO of Trafalgar Strategies, LLC. With over 20 years of experience as a Washington, D.C. attorney, lobbyist, and high-level fundraiser, Carrie Ann helps businesses thrive in business and in life. We dive into the challenges of entrepreneurship, the importance of scaling at your own pace, and how to align your business vision with your life plan. Three key takeaways from this episode include embracing failure and challenges as a natural part of entrepreneurship, scaling your business at your own pace, and ensuring your business vision fits into your life plan. Let's hear Carrie Ann's valuable insights about entrepreneurship. Hey, Carrie Ann, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? Tyler, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm already jealous. I haven't even had a chance to talk with you too much. I know you're in Florida and you're sitting in the heat where I'm in California and I don't think I've ever said I'm tired of the cold. It's been cold <laughs> for about three months and rainy and we got another <laughs> storm coming. Oh my God, I tell you. Yeah, you know, I tell you what, I split my time between Madrid, Spain and, and the US. And so right now I'm in Florida and it definitely is a feeling you're like, oh wait, it's a little hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's humid. I mean, I have a couple of clients in Florida. So every time I talk to them, this is one of the topics I bring up and they're all, oh, yeah, it's 90 degrees. It's I'm, yeah. I'm sweating it out over here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like 38 here. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's totally that. But uh, hey, I'd love to know. Uh, I always love to start with, can you tell us a little bit about what you do professionally? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a business strategist and I'm a founder of a business strategy firm. We work with small and medium-sized companies to, as I always say, you know, help businesses thrive. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you get into business like that? Like, give me a little bit of your history in terms of what brought you from point A to point B. Yeah, well, I guess the, the Cliff Note version would basically be I've always been a strategist from the very beginning. You know, coming right out of college, I was um, in charge of sort of raising uh, about $2 million in, in a book value of, of nonprofit organizations working for the United Way. 
in Tampa, Florida. And from that point, I sort of trained around how to develop strategy, what's and why strategy is so important for success for large projects and for small projects. And so as I began to sort of train and cut my teeth from that, and then obviously going to law school, working as a lobbyist, and then eventually getting to the point where I was in charge of raising $120 million for the Martin Luther King Memorial, I had pretty much cut my teeth in a way that I, I was able to, I was being called upon to do strategic planning for many organizations, large, small, um, nonprofits, the for-profits. And I think from there, you know, once I was complete with the project, I said, well, you know, let's put a shingle out and see how it goes. And it's been quite wonderful. That's awesome. I've got a bunch of questions for you around the whole uh, raising $120 million. That's, I imagine there's some cool stories in there. Before I go there, though, I kind of want to learn about you a little bit and what makes you tick. Yeah. And I'd love to start out with, do you have something like an influence, uh, some like a big influence or a role model that kind of has defined your business career or life or at least your direction? Does anything stand out? Well, I think there's probably a lot of people. I mean, obviously, our first influencers are our parents, right? Right. So my mom and my father were really strong in in leadership, and you know, had some notoriety notoriety in their particular professions. And so, watching that and seeing how it's so important to step into your own self and your own leadership, and how many people are looking for strong leaders, that was a large part of how I really saw myself. So, you know, from the very beginning, you know, I was you know, president of Future Business Leaders of America in junior high school. So, you know, <laughs> so I little geeked out a little bit like that. But then, so, so I think my parents definitely for number one, but depending upon how I kind of see, you know, other people outside of that in terms of who really influences me, I would say in business, as far as, you know, women in business, you know, I'm really, there are two people that I always look to. I always say, what would Oprah do? And what would Martha Stewart do? <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. that, that's cool. So they're kind of your, uh, we'll call them virtual mentors. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's really cool. And I still have hopes to be able to meet them one day. Well, I've actually met Oprah, but I haven't, obviously she wouldn't be like, yeah, I remember that girl, Carrie Ann. But I would love to be able to sit a coffee and have conversations with the two of them. It'll happen. It'll happen, I'm sure. Hey, so going along the same lines, for one, I love hearing you say like your parents kind of formed your belief around leadership because I've reading and researching about you. I mean, leadership is obviously one of your tenements, which kind of brings this all together in my mind. I want to shift gears a little bit, still about you a little along the same lines in learning more about you. You know, one of the challenges business owners often have and entrepreneurs is managing their personal life and then their business life and finding balance for that. Do you have anything that you do to be able to manage those successfully and have a good balance? Well, you know, Tyler, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was back in the day when we used to have, you know, uh, schedules like planners that were actually like leather bound and you're (laughs) I'm back from that generation. However, a number of years ago, you know, when I read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that really changed the way that I looked at myself in terms of who do I want to be? And, you know, that sort of thing where Stephen Covey says, you know, who do you want to, when you're at your funeral, how do you want people to describe you? And I spent a significant amount of time just drafting out the different roles that I play in my life from, you know, that of, you know, I've got five nieces and they are extremely important to me. So, you know, I have a whole, you know, fantastic aunt section. And then, you know, so all the different roles that I play, and I've been doing this now for a good 20 plus years. And in that, I write down the things that are important to me. One of them obviously is how how I take care of me. 
you know, who am I and what's the value of me? So if I'm looking at my calendar, I mean, obviously, look, we live in a real world, so it's like never always fully balanced. But if I'm looking at my calendar and the different roles that I play, one of which obviously is caretaker of me, is kind of not scheduled in, then I'm I'm going to make sure that I put that in there. So whether or not it's a matter of, you know, there's some very busy times in my life where you know, I have people coming in and they're cooking my meals for me because I cannot, you know, it's either that or I'm, or it's going to be Uber Eats. So, you know, know, so whatever it is that I need to do to kind of keep myself healthy and balanced and be cared for, as well as the people that are in my life, it's really about scheduling and calendaring it as opposed to like, you know, because there's no way randomly just saying, oh yeah, you know, I need to go work out. Well, yeah, that's never going to happen unless it's on the calendar. Yeah. True. Very true. I chuckle though, when you made the comment about pen and paper, you made it sound like you're really old. You, you obviously look very, you look very young to me. All I could think as you were saying that, man, if you're like uh, talking about pen and paper, I must be like chisel and stone or something <laughs> to write. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's what flashed through my head. So you don't yeah, really... The lighting looks better there, Tyler. I just seem to <laughs> look a little younger, but we'll go with that. Uh, okay. We'll go with it too. Hey, I got one more about you. And yeah. it's along the lines of, of challenges. Have you ever faced a real severe challenge? And did you overcome it? Anything stand out, particularly in your business life where it's like, man, this is just a, a mountain. How am I going to get over it? Anything stand out? Yeah, you know, I would say probably, I think in my in my business, my current um, iteration of my life, you know, with my first sort of large client, and, you know, you, you feel like you're prepared, but when you get the big contract, you're so excited and you're, you know, I staffed up more than I thought I needed to and all this stuff. And it just went to pot. And it really, and, you know, it's a, it was a year of me trying to make sure this contract could work, work out well. So, you know, you know, I had to have the come to Jesus for myself and I had a, I had a come to Jesus with this, with the CEO of the company. And I was the one being come to, you know, and I remember sitting down there thinking, wait a minute, you know, I'm questioning my own ability, questioning my own capacity to run a large company, you know, crossing all these things. And so I did hit a wall and I, I kind of must, I must admit, I shrunk in a bit and spent a couple of weeks just kind of feeling a bit sorry for myself. Like, I can't do this, you know, but I think it was such a great thing for me because it helped me sort of realize, okay, so this is how business is. You've got it. Like, there are some things that must happen in order to, you know, for scale. And it actually kind of helped me create my, even my own teachings right now around what I believe around scale and growth in a company, because it helped me sort of see it in a more realistic way. I mean, obviously I had theories around it, but when I was able to put it into practical senses, that's when I really realized, but it hit me, my little ego got burned and it took me a little while to get back out there. But I think that's, that's life. That's life of business. And I think it's so important to sort of, you know, take it on the chin, recognize it, acknowledge it, and then see what you can learn from it and then move on. Yeah. I love your transparency. I have a feeling I'm not the only one. It's probably the audience too going, wow, I've so been there. Like you take on a big project or you take on something and you've got it all mapped out in your head, how it's going to just be so sweet and perfect. And then you kind of take a punch to the gut one time after another, after another, and you start to soul search and then you start to go, okay, how do I recalibrate and get back on track? Is yeah. is it a come to Jesus moment? Do I part ways? Do I make this work? Right. I mean, as you were sharing that, I'm like, God, I, I, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel good at all. No, it doesn't. But you know what? You know, I love your comment though, because that's, I think we, in the days of the internet now, everything sounds like it's a success and we kind of, 
you know, nobody really talks about the bumps in the road. And the truth is to be successful, there's always bumps in the road and it's painful. It doesn't happen overnight. And I yeah. think, I think we don't always get that perception. We, I mean, would you agree with that? I a hundred percent agree, Tyler. I mean, you see this, you know, very, very beautified staged vision of what business ownership is. Now, looky here, I am a big champion of business, particularly small business. I love it. I love the success of it. And I love and in the grit. I kind of love the grit a little bit too, I must say, because I mean, you kind of have to be a sucker for punishment to kind of do this stuff. But nonetheless, so I, I'm not at all saying, you know, this whole big, great movement toward people moving into business ownership and scaling and growing it. I think it's just the best thing ever. At the same time, there is a falsity that's out there and it's not serving anyone because it's giving people a, a different idea of what it means to really grow a business and a, and a business that's going to last. Because, you know, you have all these businesses stepping up, you know, stepping, starting up and wonderful, or, or they've been around for a bit, but they kind of, you know, not really as solid as they need to be. And a lot of it is because they somehow see this image out there about what it should be, but not doing some of the boring fundamental things that make a business last or allow for you to be able to exit and exit well. So I'm a big fan of just real, real business. Like this is what it looks like. And, and the thing is, people are like, oh, well, that's failure. No, it's not failure. It is what growing a business looks like. And the best, and I think the best lessons we learn are the ones that kind of hurt a little bit because then it's ingrained in us. And we're like, okay, not doing that again. Yeah, I love that. It is so real. And it's a perfect segue because now I want to talk about, you brought up scaling and your feelings around scaling and growth. Can we start out with that conversation? What are your kind of philosophies and feelings about scaling and growth? Yeah, I think for the most part, one, I really believe that the owner and you know the folks that are on the in the inner circle of of what that business looks like the founder the co-founder those kind of things need to determine what scale looks like for them cuz i believe that there is this sort of you know image it goes back to the image right there's an image out there of you know gangbuster scaling like you see some of the tech companies blah 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 and so people are doing it, but they're actually have lacked the fundamental operating systems within their business that will allow for them to be scalable. And also they're pushing their team too hard. So then you have the burnout, not just from the team, but also from the owners and the founders. And it, it becomes a hot mess. And then, okay, fine. They scale and they scale and they scale. And then what? And then they get to a certain point and they are now like failing, going backwards. As a matter of fact, one of my clients, one of my former clients just reached out to me and just the other day, two days ago, it was like, so, you know, I kind of hit this big goal, you know, they wanted to get the million. Like, oh yeah, I kind of got to a million. Okay, good. You know, I had kind of worked with her when she was early days. And, and this woman is like serious. Like she has a couple of offices in like various different continents. So she's like, yeah, okay. Well, you know, she has like three different businesses too. She's like, so this <laughs> one got to the million. She's like, yeah, but I have absolutely no desire to do anything else, <laughs> you know? Because she's so burnt out. She's like, I just want to kind of sit on the beach for about a year. And you don't want that, right? You don't want to grow and grow and scale and scale. And then you're just so burnt out. You have no creative energy for the next thing. Entrepreneurship is about building and growing and creating new ideas and putting them into place. And if you get to that point where you're like, no, I just want to sit around and, you know, drink a mimosa. Obviously there's vacation, there's downtime, but right now she's just like, I'm just done because that, that's called burnout. Yeah. So I do believe that deciding what it is that you want for your business and not looking at what other people want, that's the first, my first number one philosophy. And the second one is around 
building a foundation in the organization where it really can be scaled and it doesn't rely. I mean, I know we all know that because obviously you've got sophisticated audience there, but I guarantee you, I've been in the biz for a bit. I've spoken to people who have, who are, you know, who have companies or well in the millions, well, well, well in the, you know, getting closer to a million and getting close to a billion. And I'm telling you, there's still a lot of business owners that are still in the business well after it's grown past what would normally be what so many other um, businesses haven't been able to get to. So if you're one, my first philosophy for me is do it on your own pace, do it how you want to do it, show it how you want to show it. And two, making sure that you know, how you do it, make sure that there's some fundamental things, the way the operating the operations are, you're building that out in a way, not more than so that you don't have to be in it and you're not completely burned out. Right. I want to dig a little deeper. You made a comment and I think there was a lot of wisdom behind this. So I want to learn more about it. You said scale the way the business owner, the entrepreneur wants to scale, what fits for them. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Because usually when we think of scale, like you think, okay, I'm going to go from zero to hundred million or whatever that number is. What does that mean? Like how does one scale differently than the other? How does it fit them? Well, I think the first step for me and when I have conversations with owners and it doesn't, you know, can, they can be early days in the business or, you know, further along. It's like, so what's your thing? How do you see your life going? Like, what's life for you? What's your life purpose plan? What, what's your thing? And, you know, some people get a little heavy when they're like, oh, I don't have a mission in my life. Okay, fine. We don't need to use those words. But like, how do you see life going for you? What do you want it to look like? And then being able to look at the business vision and see how it fits in to the how you see your life going. And because if, if the vision of the business doesn't fit into your life plan, that's the first that's the first challenge we have in building in scaling right because you don't know really what you want it to look like so then secondly once you've kind of addressed that then i think people can kind of think differently about well you know actually i want to scale but i don't want to scale like that scale i want to scale like this scale you know like i want to stop at 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 this point i don't want to have more than a, you know so for instance if it's a manufacturing company well you know if they're like okay well you know most people you know they outsource manufacturing to another country that whatever whatever they're like well actually we really do want to make sure that we can still touch the people who are creating the products in our company right so you might remember when when boeing left seattle and went to chicago you know that was sort of a, a big shift in the company it was also a very it it changed the company's culture and I, you know theory and I, you know Boeing was a was a company that we were able to raise a lot of money from so we had some great partnerships there and but the partnership that Boeing had the leadership connecting to the relationships of people that are actually on the building the airlines it changed very much because leadership was now all the way in Chicago they couldn't just like walk down for lunchtime and you know talk to so and so or see what was going on as they were building it so the culture of the of the business changed and you know if i've had conversations with people who have scaled and like yeah well we you know we have we have a whole factory all the way across the you know the other part of the country or it's like in another it's another country and i just don't feel as connected to my business as i used to be i mean this that's real stuff yeah, right yeah and so what my point is deciding what is important to you what are the, what are the values that you really want to maintain. And obviously there's business values, you know, what is important, honesty, respect, those kinds of things that other people, but I mean, what are things that are really important to you that in your business, that jazz, you know, you're like, if we scale to this point, 
we may lose it. Or if we want to scale to this point, how do we maintain this here so that it's not just a cookie cutter thing? And it's hard when you start getting, you know, getting um, venture capitalism investment, those kind of things. You have other people that are now telling you how to run things. And, you know, there's obviously there's some need to to shuffle and to compromise and such. But hold firm to the two or three things that you think are really important because you, there's no cookie cutter saying this is the way to scale. At some point in time, someone scaled this way and everyone thought it was cool. So that's how we said that's what it looks like to scale. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high performing team members and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands on business. To schedule a free, no pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. There's no cookie cutter saying this is the way to scale. At some point in time, someone scaled this way and everyone thought it was cool. So that's how we said that's what it looks like to scale. Right. <laughs> Plus, I think it sounds sexier sometimes when people say, hey, you're going to be a $100 million <laughs> company in two years or whatever. Right. So I, right, think, right. I think what I'm hearing you say is a couple things. One, scale at your pace, obviously. But I think also there's an undertone there that maybe you don't even need to scale. Like if it's burning you out or you're getting to a point, you're either going too fast or maybe you just stay where you're at. I mean, maybe that's the, what, what's your yeah. thoughts around that? Am I interpreting that a little bit? A little bit, yes, and a little bit, no. Okay. I do believe that a business is like nature, okay. right? So if, if it's not growing, it is kind of dying. There's not really a stagnation thing around business. The question on the table really is, you don't have to scale. Like even if you did like a, you know, two mil, you know, two years, you went bam and you could slow down on the scale once you hit to a certain point and say, okay, we still want to get to this point, but we're going to take a little longer now that we've hit this point. Got it. So you can, it's, 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 um, when you're, um, teaching someone how to drive a stick shift and, you know, there's the balance between the, the clutch and the, and, and the gas, and you're just sort of doing this whole thing. You can do that and you can make it work for yourself. Okay. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but you can. Sure. Mm -hmm. sure. Nothing's easy. I mean, nothing worthwhile is easy most of the time. Exactly, Tyler. So you consider yourself a strategist and I want to dig here. Let me give you a scenario. So we've got business owners and entrepreneurs out in the audience. They're probably doing somewhere between a half million in revenue a year, all the way, I'd say probably up to 10 million a year, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that. They're your typical business owner, entrepreneur. They're sole shareholders. They're not going to go out and get venture capital. Where does strategy fit in for them? Because a typical business owner, they start their business. They don't really have a lot of strategy thought in terms of how they're going to grow their business. They, they're great and they're, they're really oftentimes good at a skill and they, they build that great and they build a clientele that follows them and they start to add people, employees, but they don't really have a strategic plan oftentimes. How does that fit in with what you do and where should strategy fit for that type of profile? Well, I think that strategy is relevant for all levels and all types of business, right? Right. I would say that a lot of times people come to me because there's a pain point. So they're experiencing a bit of a pain point. And then that's when we sort of go back and have to backpedal to what it was, what, you know, what's missing in there. And then we kind of, then it's like, you know, well, here's the medicine strategy. <laughs> However, there are some people that 
you know, they they believe in strategy and they're like, look, I never got a chance to do this, but now I I really want to like, I'm at a point where I've stagnated or I'm kind of a little bit bored. I'm like, what's the next step in the business? And they might bring me in at that point. So I think if you are, you know, you've been in business for a bit, you're, you know, you're comfortable, but if the thing about human beings and and entrepreneurs generally is that they're going to get bored at some point, they get to a point where it's like, this is okay. I've done this. What's the next thing. So if you are in that place, I think this is, this is when there's a need to sort of say, okay, what is my, you know, what is the strategic objective for the business for the next five years? And that's where you can start creating some strategic objectives and, you know, kind of putting some really beautiful things into place. So it's not about, and I don't always think this is the thing, Tyler, you know, again, you know, I was cutting my teeth and being learned how to do strategic planning from in my early twenties. And, you know, it was always this profile like, oh, they're, they're a strategist, you know, they're kind of, you know, out there. <laughs> they're kind of like, not really they're the cool kid or whatever, or the brainy kid. And I think in the end of the day, what, what strategy is, you know, what a demi- it's important to demystify it, bring it down to the trends. The strategy comes from the, from the gut, from the belly of the beast. And it's like, well, who do we, who do we see our business as today? right? Who are we serving today? And where do we want it to go tomorrow? That's really all strategy is. And then in between that, we say, how do we want to do it? Right? And so that's really it. It's not complicated. It's not all out there coming like the, the, the tablets, you know, Moses and the tablets of the Ten Commandments coming down from the mountain. It's really coming from the belly of the beast and saying, who are we today? What do we do today? And where do we want to be tomorrow? And then in the middle, how do we get there? That's strategy. Gosh, I could hug you if we weren't virtual. That is like one of the best explanations of strategy because it does have this this kind of mystique to it and it sounds so much fancier. And as soon as you start to bring up strategy, sometimes people think, oh, well, I'm not Apple. I don't need strategy or whatever, you know? And it's not that. It's like you totally just, you paraphrase it in such a beautiful, easy way to understand it. It's so touchable for everybody. And it's just, it's healthy thought process really is another way I'd look at it. Yeah, that's awesome. So, hey, I, I would be remiss if I didn't get a little bit into your leadership skills and and what we can learn from them. What's some advice for business owners that want to build a good team? What are some things that they could do related to their leadership skills that would encourage them to be able to accomplish that goal? Yeah, I love that question because as you can imagine, I've seen some pretty not good team leadership situation. And most of the time it's leadership, not the team, right? So there's a couple of things. I like to think of it as one coin and I call it inspired leadership and the other side of the coin is rockstar team. If you're an inspired leader, then you more than likely can foster a rockstar team. Here are the principles though that will make that work. I look at leadership as sort of three things: how you lead yourself, how you lead your team, and how you lead your organization. There's three sort of prongs along that. And I do believe, frankly, that it does come from the place of leading yourself first, sort of a first things first kind of a thing, and then how you lead your team second, and then how do you lead the organization? However, look, we're in a reality situation. We all kind of are all over the place and we're all growing at the same time. We're all on our same own personal journeys too. And the person I was as a leader 10 years ago is a different person I am today. So there's some realities there to face. However, so you might be you know, better at leading your team than leading your own personal life. But philosophically, I believe that first things first, you, you lead yourself in a way. So even if it's thinking about 
you know, you have those leaders who are like, you know, trying to lead teams and they can't even get themselves to get up and go do a thing they really wanted to do, whether it's get to the gym, you know, or whatever the thing is that they want to do in their own, in their own life. So it's about, and leadership, again, leadership is not given from on high. Someone didn't bless you with leadership. You develop the skill set much like you learned math. So if you're not leading well, there are ways to learn to do leadership. And that's also too, you have to have people in your life that's just there to sort of give you the truth. You're like, God, you suck, man, at leadership. <laughs> you're good at ideas and all that strategy, but Lord have mercy. You need to go ahead. So that's one thing. So sort of looking at yourself, how are you leading yourself? Meaning, are you able to influence your own self to do something? Are you able to influence your team to do something? Do you believe in your team? Those kinds of things. Okay, fine. On the flip side, how do you, so, so that alone carries a lot of the bucket for the rockstar team side of it. The rockstar team side of it though, a part, I have noticed that there are some really, cause I have, you know, when we go in, when my team and I go in, we go in, we go in and we, it's sort of a deep dive. So we do have a lot of conversations with um, employees because we can't fix the problem. If, and there's a, you know, employees, you have to, employees are never going to tell you the real, real truth. It's your job to figure this out. So first of all, some of the challenges are just fundamental. Like when the person built their business, they didn't have a, a strong organizational chart. So they just, you know, hired a cousin Susie and, you know, best friend Betty and, you know, everyone's in there. <laughs> There's no real sense of like, they're not really for that position, but they're great at something. And so they're still there. There are just some that just aren't good for the role that they're doing. So therefore, when, when people are in positions that they're not supposed to be in, they do a bit of a dance. It, sometimes you don't have time to notice it. You can't, you notice they have a quirky way of doing things. You're like, why are they doing it like that? It's because they don't know what they're doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't want to tell you they don't know what they're doing because that would make them have, you know, in job insecurity. And that's a big deal. I mean, you know, the question about do I fake it or do I feed my family? Well, I'm going to fake it, right? So it's your job to create a situation where you take a step back look at the organization and almost like, you know, I think it was, who was it? Um, oh my gosh. The E-Myth. Um, oh yeah. The E-Myth series. Yeah. Why well, I'm, I'm drawing a blank anyway, but I know, all know yeah. right. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so, you know, he said, you know, sort of like, there's sort of like company 1.0 and company 2.0. Yeah. One way to sort of fix it. If you're having a team problem, sort of start creating company 2.0, ignore the org chart right now of your, of your company and really start thinking about who do I need to be like, first of all, what roles do I really need in this company? And then who, what kind of person really needs to be in that role so that you can kind of, and then, and then assess, hmm, you know what, while so-and-so has been with our company for 15 years, she's just not in the right seat or box or whatever. So find ways that you can be able to either uptrain, upskill, or if it's a situation of personality traits, put them in a different role in the company, but you're being a leader here. And so, so many times we get bullied by our employees because we don't want to lose them because they've been with us for a while and they're loyal. And I think loyalty really is a big important thing. At the same time, if it's not working, it's not working. So you have to lead and leading sometimes is unpleasant. Right. And I think sometimes it's that friction. I think there's friction that sometimes entrepreneurs and business owners don't want to face. Like, uh, Bill and 
whatever department has been there for 10 years. I don't really want the the friction. I know he can only do 60% of the job. I'll just, you know, it'll take care of itself someday or I'll do what he's supposed to be doing or whatever. And I think so some of that friction is part of it too. But that's back to your point is part of the being a leader. Yes. And you know, Tyler, what they don't realize because, you know, I've seen that happen a zillion and one time with clients. And you know what ends up happening, Tyler, is that it's that, the other people who are carrying the slack, they are upset with you. They're not going to tell it to your face, but they are upset. And then they're doing a little bit of dance. Well, if, if, if he doesn't have to do that, I'm not, not going to do it over here. And then they're not, you know, you're not bringing the full 100% of what your team could bring. I mean, people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Don't buy into this for this. Like everyone is out there just trying to quiet quit and no one wants to work. That is not true. It's a lie because human nature loves to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. But you have to create a situation where if this is the policy, if this is the rule, if this is what we expect from people, we expect it from everyone, 100%. Don't give anyone a blight just because they've been around. Because what's happening is you're really creating a, a really bad culture and no one then is, is showing up. And, and honestly, people will show up 150% if you let them. People love to just give of themselves because it makes them feel good too. Right. I also loved your comment. You said that you know, sometimes employees aren't going to tell you the the details, whether it be lying or just not not Mm -hmm. share the details Mm -hmm. with you. And I think part of that is is trust. And part of that is, like you said, that 150%, once you start to build that bond and you look for things, I think that becomes a little bit less of a concern. But I've personally have had to experience that the hard, hard way where, you know, some of even my best employees, they just at the time didn't want to share things with me. It's like, hey, man, I don't want to sell someone out or I don't want to get in the right. middle of it or I don't want to be part of it. And, you know, that is a key thing. And I think that's honestly, for me, it was weak leadership until I learned yeah. how to be a better leader. Then those things, I wasn't getting blindsided by things that were happening and I didn't see them, you know? So right. that's, yeah. a, that's a huge thing. You just said, hey, I've, I've got two last questions. I get frequent emails from people that are listening to the show and they either have recently started a business or they're thinking about starting a business. Knowing that, like, do you have any general guidance if you're early in your business journey or even thinking about starting a business? What are, are there some things that you'd say, hey, be sure to do this or think about this? Anything stand out? Well, the first, you know, I said this a little earlier, like sit down and if you don't have a life plan, let's figure that out. What do you want to do? Really, honestly, what is it that you want to do in your life? And then let's create a business vision that fits into that, not the other way around. Because I think that is the first sort of fundamental thing that if you get that wrong, it's hard to fix that when you've put a couple million dollars of investment in the company and, you know, it becomes a bit of a problem. Okay. So that's one thing. But two, the second thing really would be build it to last. I know that it's really trending now to kind of like, you know, and I know, look, I'm about lifestyle businesses in the sense that, you know, creating a, a life for yourself at the same time. I think it's very important to really build something that that lasts, that really lasts. 80% of small businesses don't have employees in the United States. That number is real and true. When we start looking about economic growth, even if we're looking at this as a recessionary year, and look at economic growth, not just in the US, but globally, how do we get economic growth? By creating new businesses, new businesses that hire people, businesses that you know, buy goods and services and sell goods and services. And I think it's really important. I think sometimes small businesses kind of still look at themselves a little bit like, well, you know, I'm a small business. I'm not like Apple. Right. No, raise your head up high, put the shoulders back. I'm like, no, 
I have a significant role to play in the way the economy of my country operates. As a result, I'm going to take myself seriously and I'm going to build something that has something that legs after I'm gone. Yeah, that's great. I always love to end with this last question. Is there a business or a life tip, something you've learned along your journey that you can share with us that we could apply? Yeah, there's so many, but I think if we're talking right now about business, the big thing is really about not quitting. I know it's cliche, but I'm telling you, there will be dark moments. We all have experienced them and we're just like, going to throw that towel in. But the, the thing is like, we always, you know, if we just take the time to realize today's just not the day and that's okay. <laughs> like today, the week, this week is not the week <laughs> and that's okay, right? But I'm just going to do what I can do. And that's why I think it's really important to have a business vision in terms of having a really, a true North. What is it you're trying to build? And even if today feels dark, you know, you might've lost that big contract that you thought you were going to get, or maybe you had to lay off some team members because, you know, you didn't have the cash flow and whatever. And maybe you have a situation where you having to sort of figure out, you know, I might need to, I don't know, take on a contract that I really don't like just because, you know, if I don't do that, then this, whatever the dark moments are, always think about your true North. What are you trying to build here? That's why I really believe in building things at last. If you build something today may be dark and you may not want to, you may not want to even pick up that pen or get on that computer. Today's not that day, but tomorrow do something small towards that. Also too, action breeds momentum. It's like, if you're sitting in the dark spaces and you're in like the Valley of despair, you know, thinking about it isn't going to get you there. <laughs> you have to just do something, you know, like make one step. So that that's my tip. Just don't quit, really. I love it. That I think you packed a few in there. So you gave us some bonuses. <laughs> good ones, good ones. Hey, so I'll put this in the show notes at thinktyler.com, your website. And I know I'm going to mess this up. And I'm also going to spell it trafalgarstrategies.co. That's not .com, dot Co. You got it right, Tyler. Did I? I got it right on. So I'm going to just spell that really quickly. It'll be in the show notes too. T-R-A-F-A-L-G-A-R strategies.co. So get, give that website a look. Is there anywhere else that people wanted to reach out to you? Anywhere else you want them to go? Any freebies, anything like that? Well, I do have a freebie. If, if someone feels like they're you know feeling a bit chaotic in their business and they're feeling like, you know what, I am getting ready to quit. Um, <laughs> I do have a, have an ebook um, where you can get on my website at nobusinesschaos.com. And it's basically just a, a, a PDF that kind of helps you identify what the chaos is and kind of gives you some motivating tips to be able to get you out of chaos. And, and that's nobusinesschaos.com. I'll put that in the show notes too, nobusinesschaos.com. And then as far as reaching out to you, anywhere else you want them to go or are those two websites good? Yeah, you know, find me on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram, on Facebook. Any one of those places you can find me, you can send me a message and my team and I will definitely reach out. Yeah, I saw your Instagram. You're doing the reels and everything. You're all over the <laughs> internet. I look good. Well, you know, the team is doing the reels. I don't know. You're not supposed to say that. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, well, you know, Carrie, on so many gold nuggets you shared with us today, a lot of wisdom, really appreciate it. Can't thank you enough for being on the show. Hope you'll come back on again in the future. Tyler, it has been such a joy and a pleasure. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. 
If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid. Electric acid.